It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to Accelerate. You know, I couldn't be more amped up to talk today with my guest. Joining me is George Soto, founder, well, original founder of Sales for Startups, which is a company that he's created that was dedicated to helping educate non-sales entrepreneurs about how to sell, which was a passion of mine, a passion of his. And he sold that company as now part of the growing sales hacker empire. And George is also involved, I know, in a startup role with uh, Node. Io. So, George, welcome to the show. Andy, thank you so much. First of all, we were just chatting a little while ago about how long we've known each other. And if you remember, we met each other about five years ago in Boston with Matt Bellows and mm-hmm. Cliff Pollen, and we were doing that event at Microsoft Nerd Center. So, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. No, that was fun. That was a great time. It was a great group of entrepreneurs. Uh, kind of a strange room we were doing it in. Uh, the proverbial mild wide, mile wide and an inch deep. But um, but yeah, it was a great group of guys there, people there, that uh, entrepreneurs that I think really fit the profile of what you were dealing with, which was yeah, non-engineers, you know, people that weren't don't have sales in their background or marketing in their background and had great ideas and were executing it and needed to get that uh, that just that knowledge about how to how to get their product to market. Yeah, you know, I, I think for me it was interesting when I got out to the to the valley for the third time, and I was trying to start a, a company or I'd launched a company through an incubator called AngelPad, and it became very clear to me, very very fast that the tech community really wasn't taking the sales profession seriously. And it became very frustrating for me just because people literally would not talk to me if I wasn't an, an engineer or, you know, or didn't take me seriously. And then there was this shift where people started to come up to me and say, hey, I need to understand how to get five customers or some customer feedback. And and um, and and then and, and, and then I that was sort of the the thesis behind building sales for startups. And um, and it was a, a great opportunity to to be able to meet thousands of founders and, and and early employees and really help them think through this sales process that I like to call like the early stage you know minimum viable sales process. Mm-hmm. You know, where mm-hmm. We don't really know what we're doing, and it's this weird thing because you don't really you you understand these fundamental steps that always exist in sales, but you don't really understand like the macro climate that well. You don't really know if, if your message is resonating, you know, you need, you need to really focus on understanding who that ideal customer is and go through the hustle and grind that, that is that process of discovery. So uh, I had an awesome opportunity to do that. And, and I love that, you know, we were able to roll up into sales hacker and and continue that mission. Yeah. I mean, you were, putting on events all around the country for entrepreneurs. And as you said, it, it, it really is a process that early stage selling is really is a process of discovery. I mean, you can, you can plan it out all you want, but until you go out and test it with people who don't know you, right? Like, you know, the, the term, you know, the unaffiliated customer, you really don't know what it is that you're selling. 
Yeah, totally. I was just at, uh, so I was in Miami doing an event uh, at an incubator there, workspace called uh, Building.co down in Miami, Florida. I'm from there originally. And it was really interesting because everyone, you know, we had a nice crowd and, and, and it seemed like most people, maybe not everyone, but most people were asking me, you know, what's the silver bullet? Like, what is the sales strategy that's going to get us to, you know, 100 customers or to, you know, a million dollars in revenue or whatnot? And it's it's interesting because you have a ton of folks out there who are sort of, you know, selling the dream. And, and, and for me, it's a big experiment. I have no idea. Now, there are a variety of tactics and processes and sure things that I think, you know, I can speak for myself that I've learned over the years that certainly don't work. You know, um, but, <laughs> well, it's interesting conjunction. You said the sure things that don't work. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. so, so what are those sure things that don't work? Yeah, well, I think there, there are a couple things that that don't work. And, it, and it's interesting because they're not like very particular tactics. They're more like higher level esoteric stuff, like having the wrong team. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like if you're, and I'm speaking from a, from a startup perspective in, you know, in just to be clear, I've never lasted at a, at a big company, you know, where I was, you know, one of 10,000 salespeople. So I don't actually know that my perspective has always been as a founder. I always like to make very clear that I'm an entrepreneur first, I'm a salesperson second. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, for me, like a fundamental thing that will surely never work is having the wrong team. Right. Like having someone who's if who's not willing to put forth the effort and organize themselves in a way to be able to be flexible and agile enough to understand the right things. Right. Or at least to collect the data or insight that they need to collect to be able to start to kind of determine what things are not working. So for me, it's not about necessarily knowing the stuff that works, you know, right off the bat, but the things that don't work. You know, because mm-hmm. it's also interesting because the things that work today may not are pro- are not going to work tomorrow. You know, and and it's just like I don't know how long it's going to take till they don't work. And so those are some of the problems with scale, where it's like really easy with when you have one person. When I'm the only prospector slash salesperson, but now I need to scale a team of several other people, and now I have to actually deal with personalities and life and everything else. Like how do you now start to develop, as we were discussing earlier, a culture around the human, you know, and not just say, hey, I'm gonna hire, you know, five guys or gals from, you know, from Cal Chico University or whatever and buy a bunch of software and we're gonna generate a ton of business. You know, sure, like that's part of it. You need software, you need people and these sorts of things, but we forget about the people component. You know, we and, and for me, that's the most important. So just to kind of go back to what we were saying, one of the sure failures uh, or, or things that I think in my experience will will lead to failure. Guaranteed. Having, we'll call like, it guaranteed failure mode. Yeah. Guaranteed failure mode is like having the wrong team. And the other thing that I that I've realized, and I hate to say this because I'm such an impulsive person by nature, but it's it's a poor like poor preparation or acting too fast. And I'm not saying that you should act slow. And, and so for example, like overthink a target list or something like that, you know, and, you know, I think that for me, it's also really important to be able to execute and, you know, progress is more important in my view than perfection, but you don't want to completely botch it. Right. 
So finding that balance is hard. How do you do that? You know, how, how do you how do you kind of figure out these qual- qualitative uh, aspects of this experience you're dealing with and the quantitative stuff, right? So, well, I think that one of the things that journey. right, and I think one of the things that you would go along with that though, that you know, a sort of a sure failure mode, at least I've seen in my experience with startups, is that if the entrepreneur hasn't invested themselves in learning how to sell what they are, what they have developed, what they are creating, then that also then becomes a pretty sure failure mode. You know, I find that if the entrepreneurs try to keep themselves separate and say, look, I'm going to build this team, but I'm not going to go out and get my hands dirty because I'm not going to learn really what it is we have and why people are buying it. To me, that has been a pretty guaranteed failure mode as well. Absolutely. The way I've seen this manifest is a founder, maybe an engineer, or maybe even a BD person who like, you know, was great at BD at Google, right? You know, which is very, very different than, than selling your widget that no one A, cares about because they have no idea what it does. And B, has no idea who you are, right? Mm -hmm, You may get some friendlies, you know, who you can call up and say, hey, will you kick the tires on on our widget? And they might say, yeah, you know, I got some budget here, fine, right? But, you know, when we start to scale and really build an organization, you know, that that's you know like your ability to understand is incredibly important so you might see that founder again you know bd person from google or you know some other great larger organization or an engineer who just says oh here's a here's a salesperson they'll figure it out they can sell this thing i see the vision right but they don't really actually know they don't know the trials and tribulations uh, of of actually trying to sell or distribute this product and I think that's incredibly important. Like if you don't sell, if you're a CEO out there and you are not selling before your first sales hire, that's a very big problem. Now, I think you can get away with it if you understand that perhaps your core competency is not maybe, you know, ex- like, you know, interfacing with, with the external world and you hire someone who's going to manage that kind of part of your, your business. And I think if you're transparent, you might be able to get a- a- around around this issue. But there's just no way that I could ever hire someone to do a job that I don't actually understand myself. Right? Yeah, well, exactly. And also the thing with, especially in the startup world, is that the founders and CEOs are selling from day one because they're looking out, going out to look to raise money, right? That's sales job right there. So totally. if, if you can, if you can bring yourself to put together a presentation and present it to the venture community, the investment community, not a whole lot different from selling your product and your value proposition to a customer. Yeah, totally. I, I think you also touched on something that that's been quite interesting. The fact that people think that sales is this magical thing at times, you know, and they don't understand that. I, I just I don't know anyone who does business of any kind that's not selling some something, whether it's selling, you know, the ability to like me as an individual uh, or selling someone on the concept of joining my company and taking risk. And, you know, this, these are all conversations that, that have some sort of desired outcome. And for me, that's sales, right? It's not like this crazy, magical, complex thing, right? Like sales sca- scaling systems and things like that. You know, obviously you have to sit down and think about and, and et cetera. But like there's a conversation, right? And, and the conversation has an outcome and whether it's, you know, you going out to dinner with me or, you know, buying my widget, 
right? There's still conversation. Now, obviously, it's a different, you know, it's this different sales cycle, quote unquote. You know, if, if I'm trying to convince you, Andy, to buy to come to dinner with me versus some organization <laughs> buying my software, multiple people, process, you know, maybe it's gonna take longer. But at the at its core, what is it? Right? At its core, it's this communication. And if you can distill it down to a communication level, and that's what I love about your books. Um, and I've always been a fan of you as a as a thought leader and as an, an author. And as a consultant, because you've you've really taken a, an incredible view, in my view, uh, of this process, and you've distilled it down to levels of granularity that I think are incredibly important. And that's sales for me. Like when we talk about, well, what is sales now? There's some great books out there that talk about process and tools and things mm-hmm. like that. But if you don't understand what's underneath that, and the day that you hit the wall which we all do, right? As salespeople, I mean, it's just, it's life, right? When you hit the wall and you don't actually understand the psychology or the, the philosophies or, uh, you know, underneath all that tech and process and, and why your emails are not working, then, then you really, that's when you start to struggle. I've, I've seen reps do that. I felt like, you know, I felt that myself when I was learning how to sell stuff, you know, within some organized process or, you know, company. So it was really interesting, right? Like if we can, if we think about it and if we can really understand what's underneath all this stuff or why is that person responding? Why is that to this type of email versus this other type of email? It doesn't, you know, like for me, it doesn't matter matter what the text is there's some kind of like there's some psychology that's underneath that that is underneath that word or that statement or that title or subject or whatever that is generating some action inside of a human for some reason it's Mm -hmm. stimulating something for me that's what i'm that's what i'm always trying to figure out right and that's that's what i'm always very excited about because then once you understand that in my view of course my opinion uh, you know, then the, the the tactics and the tools and all that stuff are are, are a piece of cake, right? So that's kind of my opinion on it. Well, and it, it relates the same way to talking to people, not just you know emailing them, but you know through repetition you learn what you can say or what you can, more importantly what you can ask that opens the door, right? That the 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 blinders open up, the people's defenses go down. And suddenly they want to engage. And it's based on, again, something you say, to my way of thinking, it's usually a question that really is the way that gets that triggered. And so I said, through repetition, you learn exactly what that is. And that that really becomes selling because you're right. It's not just the process. You know, it's not the quantity of things. It ultimately, it comes down to the quality of something you execute with another human being. And that's going to make the difference between you and somebody else. Isn't that interesting, Andy? I mean, you've been in in business longer than I have, much longer than I have, and you got a tremendous amount of experience on on me. You know, however, like, isn't it interesting that we always go back to this concept, and the concept is, and it's actually outside of sales in general. It's I, I think it's almost like a fundamental thing in life where it always goes down to, or back to rather quality over quantity like we always that's always the thing you know and i I, hopefully nowadays you know we were talking about technologies out there and the amount of data and all that like i think for me all the data that's out there with with you know on the internet or or in sales tools etc you know should be really pushing us to be more of a you know quality over quantity process right and 
um, and, and have a, a more personalized approach. I mean, at the end of the day, right? Like that's what should happen. I, I remember when I was in SDR and remember just for the folks out there, you know, I was, I started selling door to door and that was the first time I started to understand sales cycles, mm-hmm. you know, when I was in graduate school. So I did that for about three years and I understood a sales cycle at a very granular level. So for me, it was really easy to move upwards when once I got to the uh, SaaS world and enterprise world, because I was like, well, I was selling and understanding at the conversation level. Now we're talking about, you know, sending emails and, you know, and I now have this brand. I have a marketing team that's building brand and making it, you know, easier for me to break in, you know, knock on wood, theoretically break into organizations, you know, so. So, you know, that that personalized approach, that human approach that you talk about in all your books is so important. And it drives me nuts when people don't just just don't think about that, you know, and they don't take that into account. One tactic that everyone listening to the show should should try out if, if you're not already is say the person's name a couple times in the conversation. You know, you're going to trigger their brain to go, oh, that's me. Yeah. Oh, you know, get them back in the conversation. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so. That personalized approach, like that thing, the value proposition, blah, 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 is, you know, certainly, you know, of uh, of importance within a a sales conversation. But, you know, that human piece, how can you how can you like embed statements or 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 activities or I don't want to say give the guy or gal a hug You know, in, in most cultures? That's probably, you know, a no, no. But. You know, but how do you embed that stuff? You know, how do you truly develop a relationship? How do you become more vulnerable as a salesperson within the realm of, of reason and, and of course, uh, you know, respect, right? Right. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's about being mindful. It's being in the moment. And that's really, I think, very hard for a lot of salespeople is, you know, without getting too sort of zen about it, but is, you know, this whole concept of mindfulness and being present really becomes very effective for salespeople because they're they're there and all they're focused on is the prospect. I mean, with every every ounce of their being, they're focused on that person. And yeah, <laughs> you'd be surprised. I mean, I have sort of a, a, a I don't know, test, if you will. But, you know, I go into calls sometimes with salespeople and I was managing them. And maybe to be a relatively like a second call or something they had brought me along, or maybe I was doing a ride along on some cold calls. And about 70% of the time, the sales rep won't have remembered the prospect's name. Name, yep. <laughs> and of course, they couldn't use it during the meeting because they couldn't remember it. But that's because they were so focused on what they were going to say, right? What they, totally. what they, the sales rep, as opposed to let me engage this other individual as a, as a person and we're going to have a communication and a conversation that engages their interest and knowing the name if you're really present really becomes a big part of that so we're going to take a short break and we'll come back we're going to continue this great conversation with george soto and we'll be back in just a second hi this is andy connect and sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies including hundreds of technology startups and several fortune 500 companies to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. 
And we're back with my guest today, George Soto. We're talking about sales for startups, an organization he started that uh, he has since has sold to the Sales Hacker Group, which did a great job educating entrepreneurs about what it's like once you start a company. You actually have to sell the product you're creating. And you know, I sort of want to, I know you've got a, a passion for how you think sales is going to evolve, and I want to talk about that here for a few minutes too. I want to start by <laughs> by. Uh, asking about the saying you have in your Skype profile, you say that a successful man is one who builds a firm foundation out of the bricks others have thrown at him. So who's throwing bricks at you? Wow. <clears throat> you know, Andy, you've known me for five years, so I'm going to give you the raw and real. I hope that's okay. Sure, sure. You know, I grew up in Miami, Florida, and I was brought into this uh, world by two great parents, who two parents that you know, I'm an only child that if I didn't have, I'm not sure I would be sitting here today. So I got lucky, you know, but one thing that, that I, that I observed was I was growing up in the eighties and nineties in Miami where it was nuts. I mean, you know, you didn't hear about innovation. You heard about, you know, the Pablo Escobar, not don't walk, you know, all this, don't walk in the streets at night and, you know, and, and, and these sorts of things. And, you know, at a very young age, I just didn't really understand the value of, of uh, it, of entrepreneurship or even education. I mean, if you think about most of the individuals that uh, that I grew up with, didn't go to college or had other outcomes in their life and um, took different paths. And so, you know, I I, I guess, you know, I, I started to develop a chip on my shoulder when I was a teenager. You know, and you had to be sort of tough, right? Like in you know in, in my communities, you mm-hmm. know, you had to like you know defend yourself, you know, not get picked on or, and whatever. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm blessed that I, uh, I was able to, to not make, you know, foolish mistakes like so many others do every day in these communities, you know, but I always had that. I felt like I, I, like the bricks were being tossed my way. Um, you know, since, since I was a, a young child, you know, things started happening. I still, you know, it's, it's really interesting, you know, as you get older, I'm, I'm in my mid thirties now and, you know, and, and I, I've gone through this, like, weird evolution where I'm starting to become incredibly self-aware uh, of the good things and the bad things. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, and I, and I remember sitting there recently thinking about, you know, my view on what's driven me to just always be so like fearless. Like I, you know, and I was raised to be fearless. I was raised to be fearless by my family, you know, and my mother in particular is one of the most fearless individuals I've ever met <clears throat> super inspiring and for me it was like you know I I wasn't the tallest kid I wasn't the strongest kid I I wasn't the fastest kid I loved sports but I was too short to dunk and you know too small to play running back and uh too short to play uh second base which I love baseball I play baseball my dad's Cuban and it's a big thing in our mm-hmm, culture mm-hmm. And, um, and I had, and I found something, you know, later in life, you know, once I started going through, through, um, through high school, I I I had tremendous troubles. If you went back to my high school and you talked to the principal, they would probably not believe that I am, you know, outside of Miami and, and doing some cool things here in Silicon Valley. And so I think that started to, I started to develop that chip and I started to develop that kind of thicker skin, um, at least at the surface level, uh, you know, for challenge. And, and then I ultimately started to understand that that challenge was in myself, in my own mind, you know, and sure, you know, people can be 
could trigger certain things within me or within us as humans um, that will cause us to behave certain ways. But ultimately, that's like, you know, a stimulus or stimuli that's coming in, you know, that you're interacting with and you're having to do something with. And so, again, to your question, you know, I, I feel like whether it's some story or narrative that I've created in my mind since I was a kid to, or, you know, maybe it, there are some like very real and valid reasons. You know, I felt like bricks were thrown at, at me for a long time. You know, as I mentioned, I wasn't a great student. Like I had to work my tail off to get through college and I was, you know, I was a v- very slow reader, you know, and cause I wasn't raised to read, you know, read, I was doing other stuff, you know, I was out mm-hmm, climbing mm-hmm. a tree or getting in trouble in the neighborhood, you know? And, and so, um, you know, I was more of an artist and I didn't really understand myself that well. And so, you know, I, I think that it is, a, you know, it's, it's a healthy thing to be able to, to have that courage or to develop that mechanism to, to be resilient. Um, and, and from, and, you know, I, I think that, within the context of sales, when I got an opportunity to sell stuff and I understood I was selling. So, you know, the first memory I have is of course selling cookies, you know, door to door in my neighborhood, uh, from the school and, you know, and, um, and then, you know, as silly as this sounds, but getting into fistfights in the neighborhood, you know, where you, you felt like you had to, to be tough and not be messed with, you know, that, that was like the basis of developing courage. And now, you know, nowadays, obviously that behavior is, you know, I don't engage in that kind of behavior, deal, <laughs> deal with my, my, uh, you know, no you fistfights. Know, yeah, no fistfights today. Yeah. I'm too, I'm a little too small nowadays, right? People grew up. <laughs> um, and, you know, but but I think you display courage in other ways. And for me, when, you know, when I, as I was mentioning my first experience with sales, I was selling, you know, foot f- shoes at a store in Miami and I crushed it. And I was selling more replacement plans on like shoes, which didn't even make sense. Replacement. You know? So, I mean, I started off selling shoes as well. So a uh, replacement plan. So what's a replacement plan on a shoe? Yeah, if like the sole fell off or right. broke or something, you know, you could get... It's like an extended the, warranty. Yeah, the extended warranties, exactly. We called them replacement plans. And it was like, you know, 15 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever. But but my, my the management was just absolutely like astounded. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't understand that I was actually just like having a conversation, developing rapport, telling people, you know, walking them through a quote unquote demo in their minds of why, you know, why they should buy this thing, instilling enough doubt about the need for buying this replacement plan that they would actually say, okay, you know, you know, great, right? Like I'll buy it for 15 bucks more and et cetera. So, you know, like I started to understand sales at that point and I loved the challenge. And then I realized I didn't actually care. And one of the things about me was like, I didn't care what everyone else was doing. I was care. I cared about my own internal dialogue and like the fact that I needed to be great at whatever it is I was doing. And that, you know, trickled over into you know college when I got to college, <clears throat> I wasn't the, the I'm not the the A student, I'm not. You know, I was funny. I was just listening to Gary Vander, Vander, what's his name, Vander Vandercheck, uh, Vandercheck, and I was just laughing because he talks a lot of like we we share a very similar story of what I know about him. You know, not great in school and these sorts of things, but I was just so determined to prove to myself that. Ultimately, I had some worth, you know, and, you know, and at a deep level. And um, and and when I got involved with doing door to door sales in college, I was like an entrepreneur. My first venture was 
uh, selling tickets to a bus that we used to send kids from Tallahassee, Florida, Florida State University to New Orleans for Mardi Gras. And, you know, we'd make 60 bucks a ticket. And, you know, my buddy Julio and I would, you know, party with that money. And so I, I love that because it was hard. And, and this, but on top of that, I was able to, to do something with what I, the, with the only thing that I knew. And, and at that time, and maybe till to this day, maybe what I really enjoy is communicating with people, right? And and moving people through an outcome. And and then when I got into door to door sales, I started to really understand sales cycles because I got trained and yada yada. And well, you also know, the story had the, goes on. You had the experience. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing that yeah. I mean, I started off driving to not after I sold shoes in high school, but uh, my first job professional sales is. Yeah, I'd drive to a business park in the East Bay Area of the San Francisco Bay Area, get on my car and walk and make cold calls all day long. Absolutely. And you can't underestimate how much you learn because now people talk about, oh, getting through gatekeepers. Well, actually, you know, there was a physical gatekeeper I had to get through. I yeah. mean, I, I, there was a person sitting behind a desk that that I had to get through to get talk to somebody, not somebody on a phone. And it was you know, vastly different. Um, well, I'll tell you a quick story, Andy. My first web business that I started as a founder, I invested all my savings, had my mother take out a second mortgage on her home, which was as astounding for me to think about now and, you know, in many ways pains me because that venture failed. Was a, but it was in any case was a, uh, was a startup called MyTrips, M-Y-T-R-I-P-Z.com. And if you Google it, you can see Pete Cashmore making fun of it back in 2005. And I had no idea how to run digital marketing. There was no social graph. There's no Twitter. There was none of this stuff, right? Like maybe there was some, some you know, AdWord campaigns and things like that. But the virality that exists online today didn't exist then. And, and so my default was, you, you name it, I would drive up to universities, hand out flyers, sneak into university computer labs and ask, pretend I was a computer science um, computer science uh, student and asked people to try out my new website. And so I physically signed up about 1,200 people over maybe three years, which, as we know, is a completely inefficient way of customer acquisition, right? Um, but that was my default. And my point in telling you the story is that that I think that that chip on the shoulder, that courage, that desire of just like, I am not going to allow myself to give up. You know, now that could go... You know, that has its good and bad, right? Like mm. I think that a smart entrepreneur also has to understand when it is time to transition to something else, you know, or hey, accept that this particular thing didn't work. Right. I think where I have the problem with is just not trying A um, and then giving up too early and not giving yourself a, a, a chance to succeed. However, I do also have a problem just personally I've, I've lost a lot of money and put myself in some very challenging financial situations over the last 12, 13 years by not being uh, mature enough to understand when it's time to p pull the plug. Sure. Right. And if you think about it within the context of sales, you know, there is a point where, you know, they're not ready right now. Like, you, you know, they're just there's no buying cycle. There's no but whatever it is that's happening. They, they bought another competitor. I'm not saying give up. But what I'm saying is like you have to almost like detach yourself from the outcome and, and say, hey, I'm going to you know, I've done everything that I could. As long as I left it on the field, I'm OK. And I think that's probably one of the most definitive concept, concepts for me is did I leave it all on the field? And what I'll add to that 
is for me, Andy, I mean, I can't, I'm just a guy, like, I, I like to call myself a philosopher. My father is, is actually like a real philosopher, has a master's and spent three years in a, in a monastery in Spain when he was in his late 20s. So he, he shared a lot about mindfulness and things like that with me. And, you know, I think that, again, circling back to the human component, I think this is about developing excellence in people, you know, developing a mindset or shifting their paradigm. And the paradigm for me is not necessarily that you're going to win all the time because you're not. And we, you know, it's accepting that and not saying that I'm going to be shielded from pain because that's not true. This is not actually reality, right? This is not life to believe that we're never going to feel pain. But I think the distinction here for me is to have the courage to try to have the mindfulness to understand what you're doing and have the mindfulness and courage to be able to walk away when it's no longer serving you in the right way or not working out and and developing a level of intelligent fearlessness. Intelligent fearlessness is very interesting. And, you know, I mean, like the, the fearlessness that I saw when I was a child growing up with, you know, all these gangs and all this craziness around me, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. There may be some like courage and fear and fearlessness there that's misguided and that's fine. But what that actually taught me was like, oh, wow, there is this there is this very profound energy that exists within us and and that we need to understand how to channel appropriately, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. And if you think about yourself as a salesperson, how do you get kicked in the ego every day? How do you do that and keep a positive attitude and keep going and not get your mind in the gutter, you know? And how do you do that? And I think like what I've been able to, to at least the guy that I want to be, the winner, the leader, the success story, the all these narratives that I have in my head since I was a kid that I want to to be is a is is a leader with that has these other attributes, has the compassion, has the ability to to be thoughtful for others and put others first and serve serve others and all that. Understanding that I will be imperfect and will have my days, moments, weeks, months, years, you know, where I'm a little off, right? Where I'm not being, you know, my best and and having that forgiveness for myself because if you think about it you're gonna have your bad weeks in sales right like when i was a door-to-door -door salesperson i remember my manager a great a great guy by the way andy i gotta introduce you to him his name is brian ross he is the real deal this guy is still managing direct sales teams selling insurance door-to-door -door in his you know late 40s right mm -hmm. and the, the funny thing is he doesn't even actually understand how brilliant that he is because uh he's never used any technology to do this stuff it's still you know very old school and um and 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 so you know uh what was I saying a second ago? I kind of lost track there. <laughs> well, I mean, we were talking about, you know, the courage, the fearless. Oh, yeah, the fearlessness, exactly. You know, um, you know, when you t think about being the leader, yeah, that's what I was talking about. And Brian, Brian Ross taught me this. You know, if you think about being the leader and the type of leader that you want to be in, and what he said to me was really interesting. It was like, you know, the best leaders in, in his view or in his opinion were the most flexible. And if you think about that, it's like the most flexible, and they were flexible enough to be able to deal with different personalities in different situations, you know, and, and still excel and still put others, you know, first. I mean, that's the kind of individual that I, I'm, I'm, you know, striving to be all the time. And I think that is, is something that, you know, some, you know, other people should consider, you know? 
Yeah, well, I think for sales, I mean, you've you've really touched on a lot of things that are really important in terms of, you know, who are the people that separate themselves from the pack that can do this for a long time, have this service mentality that puts the customer first, and really has a, a passion for helping customers make good decisions. And you know, if you can be that person, you know, if you can be there for the prospect, and really I said be folk, be there for them, then yeah, you have this opportunity to have, I think, a really successful extended career in sales where many people as you said get burned out by sort of the negativity or the ups and the downs of it and yeah i think the people that will to me the people that last a long time are those that sort of say as you said they know there's gonna be ups they know there's gonna be downs and they accept it that that's the way it's gonna be yeah and so imagine that person imagine that individual who's so mindful that salesperson that sales you know, manager, right? Who's so mindful and so aware of, of these things that now have great tools and now have great processes that they're iterating on, that have the data, you know, to support whatever it is metrics they're going after. Imagine that person. I want, you know, I want that person, right? I want, you know what I mean? That's who I want. You know, the person who, you know, who's, who's not, thoughtful and and who make even close a bunch of deals in the short term and you know or even close a bunch of deals in general but they're they're a cancer to the organization i mean these are the things that that we don't talk a lot about we don't talk about the human stuff mm-hmm. right we don't talk about that rep who's a jerk who's making everyone else feel terrible and as a result now you see your sales goes down and then what do we do automatically we start looking at systems tools what's going on are they do they know the sales talk do they you know is the market standing? well it could, maybe but you know what and you didn't know that it's that cancerous person who's sitting person. there destroyed you know what i mean and like yep. those are the things that that i think for me are super 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 important you, i mean you know i know you see the theme here and it's the human it's got to be the human we got to be we got to change the way that people think about this stuff especially here in silicon valley where we're such a robotic you know, it automate the the darn thing type of community, you know? Yep. And again, I think the innovation is phenomenal. It's certainly what excites me about this industry and why I've dedicated my life's journey to innovating in, in the technology, you know, galaxy. But um but let's not forget let's not, you know, this let's not forget about the humans. Let's not forget about, you know, the individual and making sure we're making people better. All right. Perfect. Okay. Well We've reached the end of the show, but I want to thank you for joining me. My guest today has been George Soto. And George, tell people how they can find out more about you and what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, as you mentioned, Andy, I am uh, now part of a startup in the sales intelligence space, specifically uh, trying to help people understand more about uh, the uh, account-based sales intelligence world um, and, you know, who are the companies they should be going after, who are the people, you know, what should they be saying. It's really in, within this movement around really bringing the contextual web or the personalized web, web to life. And we're focused on the B2B sales and marketing use case here in the short term. But our bigger, our bigger vision, of course, in, you know, 20 years is to, um, you know, is to power the personalized web. Uh, in terms of getting in touch with me, I love sales. I love leadership. I love all this stuff. Um, follow me on Twitter. It's at Soto Ventures and that's S-O-T-O-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S. And then I have a personal blog called SotoVentures.com, which I like to call the pulse of the early stage startup. 
and there's a variety of topics around startups there. And um, and I'm on LinkedIn too. So, you know, just search for my name, J-O-R-G-E. Middle name is L-U-I-S. Last name is Soto, S-O-T-O. Hopefully I show up in search results. Uh, if not, just tweet at me and I'll, I'll be sure to follow you. I'm sure you will. And if you follow the link to Soto Ventures, a lot of good videos that you've been recording through your travels, quite extensive travels around the world with startups, not just here in the U.S., but also outside the country. Very interesting stuff. Oh, that's for another day, Andy. We got to do something on that. I All mean, right. the, the the community, the technology community, the, the sales community, the startup community globally is real, and it's only getting started. Oh, good. Well, we'll definitely have another session on that. So again, I want to thank George for being here. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And subscribing to this podcast is an easy way to do that because then you'll make sure you don't miss any of our conversations with top business experts like our guest today, George Soto, who share their experience and expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.